Welcome into another Wednesday edition of the Strictly Strikes Podcast. Mohamed Ahmad and Andrew Gillis and Mike Nizek here with you to continue another awesome summer week of June. And um, I forgot to mention one special guy who, shame on me for not having him on sooner or multiple times before today, but we have our Cleveland.com rivalry reporter, Jimmy Watkins, joining us. I guess technically the first time we've had him on since our post-game podcast when the Bengals beat the Browns back in December. Jimmy, what is good in the land? How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Mohamed. It's not special if you have me on every week, right? So ah. that's, that's another way to think about that. See, we, we're, we're just waiting for the right moment to just bring on the James. Is, is it James or Jimmy? Is your actual name James? That's on the birth certificate. I right. have no preference. The window says Jimmy. I had a right, teacher yeah. call me Jimmy James once. Whatever. Jimmy James, Jesse James, whatever you like. Yeah, the James Jimmy Watkins. Well, the reason why we have uh, Jimmy al- along with us on this podcast with uh, me, Mike, and Andrew is because uh, we haven't really had a real true AFC North kind of roundtable discussion this offseason. We had Dan Lobby from Orange and Brown talk last week to talk about the Brown side of things uh, and how their offseason compares to the Bengals. We had Mary Kay Cabin on a few weeks before that, sometime before the draft. But I figured, and we'll have to get Ashley Bass talk on as well. That's a reminder for myself. She's awesome. Uh, but got to have Jimmy on as well. So, yeah, Jimmy's been writing a lot of great stuff, kind of comparing and contrasting uh, some of the biggest names uh, in the AFC North and Definitely get some good discussion from Mike and Andrew as well because we got everybody here. Uh, but I want to start with um, sort of the offensive side of things in the AFC North, and I want to really zoom in on the quarterback position. Obviously, you've got some pretty big names with Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson, uh, Lamar Jackson's coming back, Kenny Pickett's going into year two. So I would think each of those guys is going to hopefully and possibly take a leap um, of growth going into next season. But, Jimmy, I want to start with you. When you look at those four names, Watson, Burrow, Pickett, and Jackson, are there any of those four names where you feel like one of them is just going to have the best leap going into 2023 from last year? I think I would go Lamar Jackson. Um, And the first reason is because there's a lot of room for growth there Uh, because the last two seasons he's had have been statistically his worst as a passer in, in many ways. And there are a ton of reasons for that. I mean, he's not had great receivers and the receivers he has had have been injured. Um, I think the Baltimore Baltimore's change at offensive coordinator tells us that they weren't super satisfied with what Greg Roman was doing. Greg Roman was like the guy that they brought in to be the the guy to get Lamar to a certain point. They built an offense that that uh, accentuated Lamar's strength with his legs. Now they brought in a guy in Todd Munkin who might be better suited to uh, accentuate Lamar's passing strengths. They've overhauled the receiver position, too. I mean, Bateman's healthy for now. You never know how long that's going to last based on what's what's happened so far. They drafted a first-rounder in Zay Flowers. We'll see what Odell Beckham has left in the tank. Uh, I think Nelson Aguilar is there, too, now. So Lamar just has – I just feel like between now and the end of the season, there is the biggest gap between the public's perception of Lamar Jackson as a quarterback and what it will be like. Joe Burrow, we all, everyone thinks Joe Burrow is great already. Kenny Pickett, even if he has, I wrote this last week, even if Kenny Pickett has statistically one of the greatest year two leaps of all time, he won't be as good as these guys. And Deshaun Watson wasn't great at the end of last year, but I still think we all have these built-in expectations that Deshaun Watson's going to be pretty good. So I'm going to go with Lamar. 
Do you guys go with Lamar too, Mike and Andrew? Or do you guys have someone else in mind? No, I I, I actually lean Deshaun. Um, I, I kind of for the same reasons that uh, or the same things that Jimmy laid out. I mean, you know, yeah, you know, you can talk about Lamar, and you know, you can kind of point to the last two years. Um, you know, I, I mean, it's it's a nice kind of fun alternate history to look at the you know the last two years and say, you know, what what if Lamar doesn't get hurt? I'm, you know, that the Ravens team in, in 2021, uh, they were eight and three, you know, they lost to the Steelers on that, uh, you know, that missed two point conversion play. Uh, they lost to the Packers on a missed two point conversion play. They lost to the Rams by one, the Steelers in overtime. Like, you know, I, I, I just think that they're uh, Jimmy's right in the, in the sense that, you know, Lamar, there is kind of, I feel like this perception of, you know, oh, well, you know, Lamar has kind of been, you know, vastly overtaken by Burrow and, um, you know, obviously I think the last two years have kind of proved that, you know, if you were to start a franchise, you would take Burrow. But, um, I mean, I mean, I think that the perception is there that, uh, you know, Lamar can't stay healthy or anything like that, or Lamar can't throw. I mean, if Lamar has a good year, that's going to be, you know, that's going to be something to, to keep note of, but it's just, I think from kind of the leap that you saw in 2022, um, you know, I, I or I, I, what you saw in 2022, I just think the leap would be greater with Deshaun. Um, you know, we had, you know, pretty, pretty much by far the worst completion percentage of his career. You know, he completed 58% of his passes, um, seven touchdowns and five interceptions. I mean, five interceptions in six games was almost what he threw in 2020 in 16 games when he was with the Texans. Like, it, you, just, you know, obviously we don't, um, you know, we didn't watch the Browns every week, but Deshaun just didn't look comfortable. He didn't look, you know, like himself. He didn't look, you know, confident in, in kind of making reads and making throws. So I just think that, if you get Deshaun back at what he was, I mean, you're talking about one of the better quarterbacks in the league. And and I think just from the end of 2022, where you saw, you know, a not very confident, you know, unsure quarterback who was very, very rusty. I think if you get what you're hoping for from Deshaun or what the Browns are hoping for from Deshaun, then uh, then that leap is going to be kind of the biggest of uh, of all four of these guys. Yeah, I I go back to something uh, Jimmy said about having the most room to grow, and I think the one person on that list that fits that description is Pickett. Lamar was an MVP in 2019. Uh, Deshaun Watson threw for almost 5,000 yards in 2020. So, I mean, they're just getting back to what maybe they were. But, I mean, Kenny Pickett has a room to grow. I mean, your biggest growth is generally between year one and year two. Um, started basically all last season for Pittsburgh. Um you know, a second-year quarterback is going to take a significant leap forward if he's any good. And, you know, I I, I watched Pickett develop. Uh, I saw him for four years while covering Virginia Tech. Uh, he's a smart kid, and I think that just based on how much – I mean, you know, Joe Burrow can get better, you know, numbers-wise, but, I mean, his talent, I think, stays the same. I think a lot of that with Lamar Jackson, too. Like, his talent's always been there. His numbers have kind of, kind of gone back and forth. But um, I, I'm not sure that, like – He's going to make a leap because, I mean, if he makes a leap, he's just back to where he was in 2019, whereas Pickett is a younger quarterback. Um, and I think, um, you know, in terms of experience, he's still, he's still 25, so he's a little older. But in NFL experience, I think that's where you look just by function of where they are in their careers. I kind of lean towards what Mike said and to the point Jimmy made. I, I just think, obviously, like, 
the ceiling's already so high for Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson. And it, it's there for Deshaun as well. But obviously, he's in kind of a weird, funky phase because he missed over half the season last year. And like Andrew said, he wasn't comfortable. So it's more about him getting back to that. How much higher can he go? I don't know. Obviously, he's been in the league uh, longer than all of those quarterbacks on that list. So that'll be interesting to see. But of course, no matter who does well passing the ball next year, it's going to have to come with having a really good offensive line. I still think Cleveland boasts the best line with all those pro bowlers they have, like Joel Petonio, Wyatt Teller. I also think Jed Willis could be good. Um, and you have Bill Callahan, who's the best O-line coach in the league. But you look at the Bengals, they add Orlando Brown. Uh, the Ravens and Steelers are both in decent shape. I guess when you look at those offensive lines, I mean, how much do you feel like the Bengals might have closed the gap? And this is for either of you guys. Like, How much do you feel like they might have closed the gap with having a line that's not better than Cleveland's, but close enough to where you can give Burrow that premium protection. I mean, I'll leave the Bengals specific stuff to you guys, but I, I just found an interesting nugget in doing research for this pod. Um, all four of the AFC, AFC North teams rank top 12 in positional spending on offensive line, which I think is really interesting because it means that all four teams acknowledge the identity of, of what this division is when it's time to win, when, when you know, late in the season, gets a little colder, harder to throw the ball. Um, I think these guys understand that it's time to, you know, push bodies and, and run the ball a little bit uh, or, or in the other, in the other way, protect their quarterback as well, of course. But it, it just fits really neatly with what we know this, the identity of this division to be. Um, I believe Baltimore, Cincy and the Browns are all top 10 and the Steelers are, are number 12 with having just drafted a first round tackle. So Broderick Jones, if everything goes as planned, there will be expensive soon too. I just thought that was an interesting nugget. I'll leave the Bengals stuff for you guys. Well, I, I'm, I'm curious, actually, um, this isn't, I, I guess, not directly related to offensive line spending, but I, I don't know if you know this offhand, Jim, but like, how does the AFC North kind of compare to, to front seven spending and specifically defensive line? Because I am curious if there's kind of a, a, a give and take there where, you know, you see the division having Miles Garrett and, and Watt in Pittsburgh and, and kind of all, I mean, Baltimore always blitzes the hell out of you. I'm curious if that is kind of one of the reasons why, because, you know, the Bengals, I mean, they have DJ Reader, their their highest cap player for 2023 is is a defensive tackle. And number two is, is Trey Hendrickson. So I'm curious how much uh, how much of that is related. Do you, do you know the answer to that? I don't, but I would, I would say this. There are great pass rushers across the league, and the AFC North is the only division to have all four teams that rank so high. So sure. I, it's just a, a trend that I notice. I mean, like, even like, I don't know, Chargers have Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa, or I'm sorry, they have Joey Bosa, right? Yeah, Joey Bosa. Yeah. But yep. does that, is that why the Chiefs paid Donovan Jones a bunch of money? Or is it because their franchise wears number 15, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. I, I don't know the answer to that. That's a good question. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think, um, you know, when it, when it comes to Cincy's offensive line, like, you know, you, with the receivers that you have, you know, you're, you're kind of guaranteed a little bit more wiggle room than, than the other teams in the division. Um, you know, just when you, when you talk about the offensive line that the Bengals have, just because, I mean, what team is going to have the guts? I mean, and what team, frankly, has the defensive backs to say, okay, we're going to, you know, we'll, we'll safety help Jamar, but then everybody else is one-on-one and, uh, or even, you know, we'll put Jamar one-on-one, 
Um, you know, I, I, you're kind of by yourself a little bit of wiggle room there with the receivers that you have. So I, I don't know. I think it's not so much a question of, you know, how close can the Brown, the Bengals get to the Browns offensive line or something like that, you know, which I think, um, you know, is the best offensive line in the division right now. It's it, to me, it's more of a question of, you know, can you be good enough? Like, can you be serviceable enough to give Burrow enough time? Because, you know, you, you got to trust Tyler Boyd is going to win a one-on-one matchup with a linebacker every single time. And you got to trust Jamar is going to win a one-on-one matchup down the field most of the time, um, or at least, you know, against a, a DB like that. And if he can't, T. Higgins has got to do it. So I, I don't know if it's, um, you know, if it, the, the framing of that question should be like, you know, is the is the offensive line for the Bengals, you know, the best in the division or and is that good enough or or anything like that? I think it's is it good enough for this particular offense? And I, I mean, adding Orlando Brown, if you can if you can get anything out of Jonah Williams on that right side of the offensive line or, or Jackson Carmen, I think you're feeling pretty good there. Mike, what are your thoughts on all of that? Yeah, I mean, I, I still think there are question marks. I mean, obviously, we've got to see what happens at right tackle. And, I mean, we still have training camp to go. I mean, obviously, the Bengals are going to want a big return. They're going to want the best to have the best offensive line, um, you know, in the division or even in football because they're you're paying it. Like, you know, there's only three teams that are spending more money, and it's about $4 million off. And so, um, you know, you have to get that return on investment or you're going to be in trouble. So uh, they better play like that because they're spending like that. Yeah, you definitely want to, especially with, you know, I think they gave him a $64 million contract they gave to Orlando Brown Jr. Uh, so we will see what happens with that. This is probably uh, a silly question to ask, but I'm just going to have to ask it anyway. Out of all the receiving cores in the AFC North, and I know Jimmy touched on, you know, the core they have with Zay Flowers and Rashad Bateman and OBJ in Baltimore. Do we all agree the Bengals have the best? And I guess this includes tight ends too, by the way. Do the Bengals have the best receiving unit in the AFC North? Yeah, I mean, to me, this is it's it's more of a question of of who do you like next, um, you know. And I think that there's kind of reasonable outcomes for, um, you know, for for every answer there. I think you know you look at Cleveland and and obviously Elijah Moore, they add him, um, but ha- I mean, we haven't really seen him do it at the NFL level yet. Um, you know, and obviously that is, is kind of very dependent upon what Deshaun does this year. Um, but if you really like Elijah more then you could say the Browns, um, you know, if you're, if you're high on Bateman, you know, I like, I really like Bateman. Um, you know, if you like flowers in Baltimore, like if you think those two guys can be good and, and kind of give them an outside threat that they haven't had, um, you know, you could say that. I, I think that there's, you know, kind of cases to be made for, for every team, including the Steelers too. Um, you know, Deontay is a fantastic route running receiver. Um, George Pickens kind of looked like a budding superstar last year. So like, I think that there's a case to be made for, for a lot of different teams in this division to be number two. To me, I, I just don't understand any kind of debate that would start with the Bengals at, uh, not at number one. Can you tell me, what if I tell you the Browns have DeAndre Hopkins next week? I think that, that's, that sort of lingers over this discussion a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, because if, if you're, if Elijah Moore is a former second round pick who you're, your second guy to be counting on. And by the way, you could argue that might end up being Donovan Peoples Jones in Cleveland. We'll see. Um, you don't feel as great about it. If your number two is DeAndre Hopkins or even Amari Cooper, because mm-hmm. of the, the rapport that Watson and Hopkins displayed when they both played in Houston. I think this conversation gets a little bit more interesting as things stand. Um, I think similar to the quarterback conversation, there are, 
I think there's an opportunity for this conversation to be framed a little bit differently next year, um, just because of all the support that Baltimore has given Lamar. And again, that like I really think the Ravens are going to be slinging the rock this year. They're going to change their yeah. offensive identity. Todd Munkin comes from the air raid background. So those receivers are going to be viewed in a different context if they stay healthy next year. Deontay Johnson has been playing with zombie quarterbacks for the last like four years. It was like the end of Big Ben with a dead arm, Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph, and then like rookie Kenny Pickett who had kid gloves on. So um, like the flashes that we've seen from him and George Pickens, if Kenny Pickett does take a step like we just alluded to in a couple of segments ago, that's a core that we could look at a lot differently. And right now the Bengals are obviously the most accomplished. They're the Kings, but I think this, this conversation gets a little bit more interesting a year from now. Well, I, I, you know, you're, you're right about a year from now. I also think that it could be interesting. Like, I mean, the Hopkins thing. So let's like, let, I'm going to ask you your own question. How do you feel about this division? If, if Deandre Hopkins is, is a member of the Browns, I still put them comfortably number two. Um, you know, I, I would, I, I just, I really like T Higgins. I think, you know, when, if you were to kind of rank the receivers, um, you know, Jamar is top five, top seven, however you kind of want to rate him. Um, you have Jamar and he kind of gives you that top and that top end talent that you just don't have. But, you know, I would like Tyler Boyd more than Elijah Moore. Uh, but I, I think it's maybe closer that. than Bengals fans would want to admit. Here's the thing. <laughs> DeAndre Hopkins has been a number one receiver. We know he can be a number one receiver. Sure. Amari Cooper has been a number one receiver. We know he can be a number one receiver. T. Higgins, it's not his fault, but we just haven't seen it. So I think you could make a case for the the D. Hop uh, Cooper pairing if we get there. And then David Njoku is a really quality tight end. And Irv Smith Jr. is unproven. So, Well, I mean, T. Higgins is 24, though, and I think that's a big distinction, whereas – DeAndre Hopkins is going to bring need, bring need to bring a time machine with him if he wants to have any kind of success. <laughs> I mean, he's, you know, if you're talking about him and um, uh, Watson, I mean, you have to go back two years now uh, for them to have have had good seasons. So I don't know. I think that's a big big risk in terms of like saying that they'd be better than a a, a group of receivers that have two clearly in their prime, very far off from any sort of leveling off. Whereas Hopkins is going to have to fight to try to get regain any form that he had, you know, in, in 2020 when he was 28, now he's 31 and, you know, age is real. So um, I don't know. I just think that's a lot to sort of overcome uh, two guys in their prime right now. and still, still, I think, frankly, ascending. Age is real, but risk is the art of the take, Mike. So I'm taking risks. <laughs> Man. You know what they say, scared money, don't make money. So Jimmy Watkins, you are a bold man. Um, I mean, it all makes sense. Obviously, yeah, like on the Ravens side, I don't trust OBJ for the most part. Coming off of his injury being 31, um, Rashad Bateman's a mid-receiver. Zay Flowers is a rookie, so I don't know what to expect from him. Uh, the Steelers are still very young, and they're up and coming for sure with their guys, including George Pickens, but still pretty young. Um, and then... Yeah, I mean, like Mike said, Bengals are just still in their prime with Chase and Higgins. And I know Boyd is on the later side of 30, but he can still catch it. So um, I think that's all very valid. Before we take a quick break, we want to remind you guys to sign up for our Strictly Stripes newsletter. Go to cleveland.com slash newsletters and click on the Strictly Stripes newsletter. 
It's free in your inbox every morning. And please, pretty please, don't forget to tell us why you are a Bengals fan. You can tell us your story of how, when, where, and why you became a Bengals fan by going to strictlystripes.com and clicking on the link that says why I'm a Bengals fan. Or you can email us directly at this email, stripes at cleveland.com. Don't go away. We're going to have a special segment with Bengals kicker Evan McPherson, and we're going to chop up the talk here right here on the Strictly Stripes podcast. And thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. Joining me is Bengals kicker Evan Money Mac McPherson. Evan, I don't think we've... I don't think I've chatted with you formally this offseason, so I guess to, good to finally chat with you. How's everything been? Looking really good, looking very in shape. Everything's going well for you? Man, I appreciate all those compliments. And <laughs> Is it yeah. true? Oh, I appreciate it. No, it this is the probably the first formal conversation that we've had this year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, everything's been good, feeling healthy. Um, life's been going good, so just excited to get back to football and kind of everyday life, you know. So I guess this is officially your third offseason, uh, going into your third season. With, it's hard to keep track, I guess, because you were a rookie two years ago. You're, you're with Darren Simmons for the third year. And I'm just curious because obviously Darren is, I believe, one of the most unique coaches in the NFL in a good way. Is it just different like every year working with him or is it the same? Like, How do you describe just the year-to-year process working with you know, Coach Simmons? Yeah, no, he is a, he's a really good coach, special coach. Um, does things a lot different than everybody else, and that's what makes him stand out. Um, he pays attention to the, you've heard it pays into the small details, he pays attention to the smaller details. Oh, yeah. And so that's just what makes him uh, so good. And, you know, the last three years, it's just kind of like a gradual growth, I feel yeah. like. And so I feel like this third year will be a lot better than the first two. You know, obviously this is a very different year for you because your first two years you had Clark Harris and Kevin Huber. Now those guys are obviously moving on to different chapters in their life. You have Cal for a full season now. You have Brad and Drew. Um, No matter what happens to that competition, obviously you have those guys. How different is it moving into that new chapter with, you know, similar but obviously new faces now? Yeah. So, I mean, it's been good. I think we talked about it a little bit last year but like i i'm really gonna try to trust whoever's in there um holding snapping really anything and that's the i think the biggest thing that i'm learning this offseason is really trying to learn how to trust um you know those guys if it's just we're interchanging everybody right now and so it really just goes down to uh trusting those guys that they're going to do the same job as the other guy would yeah you know i was going to say you talk about the details the small things and i know yeah. one thing that darren right there as he walked past us walked past us uh, yeah. a moment ago you know one thing he said after they drafted brad was that he liked his place holding which you know he held for jake moody who was i think the highest drafted kicker this year yeah. by the 49ers yep. i mean the place holding is there the technique is there what have you seen yeah. you know just from brad on your side so far man brad's been really good um i mean punting the football holding the football he's he's been really good obviously there's some stuff you got to learn coming in the nfl as seven in college and he's in that learning phase right now but i feel like he's picking up on it pretty quickly and i wouldn't say i'm too nitpicky on the holds just kind of get on the spot and the laces forward and we'll be good to go um but he's been doing a good job 
How different has it been from Cal between year one and year two? Obviously, he's the full-time guy now. What difference have you seen from him just early on in the offseason? Yeah, so I think Cal's going to have a lot more confidence rolling into this year. Last year, you know, rookie years always kind of like feel it out and go from there. And I just feel like this year he's going to know what to expect and um, just be a lot more confident in what he does. Yeah. You know, obviously people look at your rookie year. They look at year two. People might focus on maybe the earlier part of the season where you had some misses, but the back half of the year, you, you closed it out very well. How do you build on that momentum? But at the same time, also realize it's year three, it's a new year, like year two, that's said and done. Yeah, it's just learning uh, new ways to minimize the misses. And I feel like this offseason, I honestly feel like I'm in a good spot. Um, I've had a little bit of a swing change, if you will, um, and I feel like it's working out really well for me right now. So yeah. it's just kind of just trusting it and um, just continuing to do it and not kind of res- resort back to what I was doing. I guess my last question, you know, I have to ask you this, just as I've asked everybody on this podcast that I've interviewed so far, what does Evan McPherson like to do in his free time in the offseason, whether that be back in Alabama yeah. or in Cincinnati, or I guess in your case, you know, northern Kentucky, what, what do you like to do? Well, I think my main thing, and everybody probably that knows me will tell you this, is I love the golf. Uh, I'm always on the golf course. But if I'm not on the golf course, you know, I'm, I'm raising two dogs. <laughs> Obviously, I have a wife, so I'm hanging out with her and just kind of hanging out at the house if I'm not golfing. So yeah. not doing too much. What kind of, uh, I guess, uh, the better way to say it, I should say, is who, who's your favorite golfer? Who do you, who do you model your game after? Ooh, this is going to spark a lot of controversy. <laughs> Brooks Kepka is my favorite golfer of all time. Um, That's not a bad choice. A lot of people don't like him just with the documentary that came out, but I'm a really big Brooks fan, so I'm going to have to say Brooks Kepka. Haters going to hate. Or I'll say Ricky Fowler. No, that'd be good. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, that's Bengals kicker Evan McPherson. Evan, really appreciate you giving your time on this podcast. Really appreciate it. No, I appreciate you. Yeah. We'll be right back on the Strictly Stripes podcast. All right, and thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. We heard from Evan McPherson, and now we are going to continue our AFC North roundtable with our special guest and rivalry reporter, Jimmy Watkins. Uh, But before we get back into the AFC North talk, um, I didn't mention this earlier, but I want to make sure to mention you guys, we've got some big and awesome and -and up-and-coming things coming with our Cincinnati Football Insider Subtech Service and Andrew you're a heck of a lot more excited about me than this. And so I want you to tell us uh, and tell the listeners why they are missing out if they're not a part of Cincinnati Football Insider. Yeah, yeah, go ahead and subscribe. Um, you know, you can subscribe by going to strictlystripes.com. Uh, basically, it's the quickest way to, as you know, as I've said before, cut the line. Uh, you cut right to it. You go to, uh, you know, you go to our subtext service. Uh, the number is 513-949-4147. And basically, you're going to get all of our news, all of our analysis, all of our insights as to what we're seeing at OTAs, what we're seeing at minicamp, uh, when we get down to it at training camp, uh, what we think about certain things, you know, what we think about, you know, Joe Burrow's, uh, Joe Burrow's latest offseason endeavor, whatever that may be. Uh, it's just a really easy way to kind of get everything sent right to your phone. You don't have to worry about it. Uh, you know, you know, you don't have to worry about scrolling through Twitter or anything like that. Again, if you want to unsubscribe, uh, you can. Very easy to do. We're not going to hassle you about it, we, uh, but we know you're going to love it. So uh, go ahead and subscribe and uh, you know, get the latest Bengals news sent straight to your phone and uh, be the first one to know everything. 
Love to see it. So we talked a lot about uh, the offense of the AFC North, Ascension with the quarterback position, the best uh, receiving units, the best offensive line blocking. Uh, I was going to talk about the running backs, but I don't think there's much discussion uh, other than that Nick Chubb is still him and Joe Mixon is not. And the verdict is still out on, uh, I guess it's J.K. Dobbins. Najee Harris is kind of hanging there in the middle. Uh, But to sort of leap into the defensive side of things, I think one thing that sticks out is you think about Duke Tobin, the Bengals director of player personnel. He said, if you're going to play in the AFC North on the Pat McAfee show last week uh, or the week before that, he was saying that it's physical, it's tough, and uh, you better get ready to get hit because you're in a division with Miles Garrett and Trey Hendrickson and TJ Watt and Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith, uh, among many other names I could go on and on about. But um, I, obviously, I would think the guy with the most juice in this division is Miles Garrett. But which front overall, and I guess I'll start with you, Jimmy, do you feel like has the most juice in the pass rush in the AFC North right now? The numbers tell an interesting story about this because, yeah, you think pass rushers in this division, you think Miles Garrett, you think TJ Watt. I mean, that, there's your argument for best defensive player in, in the sport. You add a few more names to that. But the, the Ravens led the division in sacks last year by a considerable margin. They had uh, 16 more sacks than the second-place Steelers. Steelers, Bengals, and Browns are all you know scrunched up. Steelers 44, Bengals 43, Bounds 41. And then the Bengals had... 42 more quarterback hits than the second place team in the division, which was the Ravens, which is just like, you don't think of, you know, again, it's, it's a contrast between the marquee names and the production. Um, I know TJ Watt was hurt for parts of last year. That's, that's part of that for sure. But you just, that's, that's not the way I was expecting those numbers to go, to go into. And the way that particularly the Ravens accumulated those numbers is just fascinating. Like they were relying on, uh, 30, I don't know, 34, 33-year-old Justin Houston was their leading sack guy. He's still a free agent. He might come back. Who knows? Um, Calais Campbell was a top, I think, four sack guy on their team last year. He has changed teams and was also super old last year. Um, so that's just a weird picture of, of the AFC North pass rushing situation. Who has the most juice? I would say the Steelers because I think TJ Watt is a more versatile player um, than Miles Garrett, and I love having Cam Hayward, who, just as an aside, is how old is Cam Hayward? He's like 33, 34, I believe. He's and he 34. has, yeah, has not only played at least 15 games in every year since 2017, but he's made the Pro Bowl every year since 2017, and he's been an old, all pro selection four times yeah. during that span. That's insane. That's insane. And I think interior pressure is is a little bit harder for the non-mobile uh, quarterbacks to manage. You force them, if you force them to, to move outward and, and scramble and, you know, just straight-up pocket management, little subtleties here and there, that's what always got Tom Brady off his off his game back in the day, one of the few teams that could rush interior. So I'll go to the Steelers, but I just, I don't know, it's a messy picture of pass rushing production. How messy is the picture? Mike or Andrew, what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think it's, um, you know, I, I, I also would lean, um, would lean Steelers. I am very curious though, um, you know, what kind of what kind of production the Browns can get from Zadarius Smith. Um, you know, obviously they, uh, you know, he's a ten sack guy last year. Um, you know, you were you're talking about a, a team that was, 
you know, they were really kind of invested in, in Jadavion Clowney and, and you just kind of always felt that having Clowney, you know, give them any kind of production would have been really significant for that team. Uh, you know, when you've got, um, when you've got Miles Garrett on the other side. Um, so uh, now I, you know, I, I lean Steelers, I think, you know, with TJ Watt and, you know, obviously Cam Hayward, who is, uh, I mean, just outstanding. Um, you know, obviously you have, you know, kind of one of the more, I, I would say underrated pass rushers, um, at least in the AFC, uh, Alex Highsmith, you know, I mean, every, you know, when you watch him, you can't help but be really impressed by him and, and kind of what he can do. Um, you know, so for me, um, you know, I lean, I lean Steelers. I, I am curious, you know, Jimmy mentioned the, the quarterback hits thing. And I think that that's something that we've kind of talked about with the Bengals is that, you know, obviously, yes, you know, quarterback hits and quarterback pressures and, and hurries and, and all those kind of things, you know, those add up and those matter. Um, but also at some point, so do sacks, um, you know, cause it's one thing to get in a quarterback's face and then kind of ha- you know, impact the throw. It's a whole other thing to be, um, you know, it's a whole other thing to be, uh, you know, you know, to have kind of an offense where, you know, you're, you're dropping back to pass, like Jimmy mentioned with immobile quarterback, don't have a guy that can run and you're actually losing six yards on first down because, you know, an income, you know, if you rush a throw, yeah, that can lead to an incomplete, an interception and, you know, uh, you know, a hurried throw or anything like that. But, you know, second and 16 is second and 16. And I think that that's what the Bengals need to do more. So, you know, until they get there, you can't really put them anywhere in that conversation. Um, I lean Steelers, but, uh, you know, I think if, if the Browns can get enough, you know, they signed Dalvin Tomlinson, you have Zedarius Smith now. If you can get something out of that front, I think that they can close that gap pretty quick. Well, it's interesting. The Bengals have the, have the third highest price defensive line in football, uh, spending over $60 million on it. Um, and the return on investment just, I, I don't think, has been there um, in terms of, you know, what they want with sacks. I mean, yeah, they've, they've made some quarterbacks uncomfortable, but in key moments they couldn't get the quarterback. Um, I just think that they're towards the bottom. You know, I think the rest of the conference, you know, you've got some standout guys with Garrett and Watt. I mean, you know, take both of those uh, certainly in a second. In terms of as groups, I mean, I I don't know that they're all that dissimilar. Maybe the Steelers have a slight edge in, in overall talent, but um, I'd just put, maybe put the Bengals. Well, I mean, the Ravens, I think, are last because they lost just about everybody. I think the Bengals are a step behind the uh, Browns and Steelers this year. Can I throw this out to you guys? Would you throw guys, as, as Bengals GM, or whatever they call him, Duke Tobin, Director would you throw us? There you go. TPPP. Uh, <laughs> would you throw a second at the Commanders for Chase Young? Uh, no and no and what else what else am i giving up yes so that's a yes that's every, a yes every day of the week i'm giving i'm giving up that um i think you know i think that's a i mean that's a great hypothetical um i chase young i mean a second is you know i i think i'm i'm doing that like i said you know without really hesitation um you know we had a pretty significant knee injury in 2021 that took away pretty much all of 2022 i think you know, you're talking about a player who was, you know, the the defensive rookie of the year in 2020, and everybody kind of expected great things. Um, if you can kind of rein him in, I think that there's been some kind of issues with, uh, you know, kind of him playing out of scheme and and him playing. And what I mean by that is kind of him not, you know, following his assignment. I think that that's kind of been a big talking point in Washington. If you get that back, I mean, you're talking about a guy whose upside is as high as anyone in the league. So, yeah, I, I'm doing that every day of the week. 
Um, you know, just because this team is going to need a pass rusher or pass rushers, you know, very soon. And a second round pick, I mean, if, if the Bengals were to have spent, um, you know, a second round pick, you know, where they were picking at 60, if you send a second round pick and you get five sacks out of that guy for four years, maybe you're a little disappointed, but you're also not, you're not upset by that. So yeah, I, I do that without thinking about it. Are you getting him for four years though? Almost time to pay Mr. Chase Young. Well, that's so that, and that's the other thing too, because the commanders, if I'm not mistaken, they didn't pick up his fifth year option, correct? That is correct. So yeah, it up, yeah. I, I think, but you know, the other thing too, is that, you know, the Bengals, like, you know, a lot of other teams in the league uh, that have, you know, a quarterback kind of, um, you know, that, that have a, a highly paid quarterback that they're about to go into the, the terrifying world of, of uh, you know, of contract negotiations when a guy's making 50 or $60 million. Um, Trey Henderson's making 15.48 against the cap. Uh, Sam Hubbard's making 9.9. I mean, it depends on what you can get him for, but 2023 is going to mean a lot because if, if Chase Young has a good year, I mean, dude's going to get paid. Um, but I, 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 would, I would rather, I mean, if he has a good year, I would rather pay him than Trey Hendrickson. Man, hey, a, Jimmy, that's a wild I, I card, would, man. I would make that. I would probably make that trade myself, but I don't think there's like a zero chance percent chance that happens uh, from from the Bengals' perspective, just because of how they operate. Don't think they'd take it to push the cap to basically zero for this year um, to leave no room because they like wiggle room to sign guys during the season. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think they want to detract from what they got in Miles Murphy to try to develop him. Um, I think you try to invest the talent to just go all in, but I, that's just not how they are. I think that they would, they would, won't be interested in that. Yeah. And, and now just that like Mike said, said, there's no point. Now that Jimmy said, go ahead. That, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by this hypothetical. That was a good question. Cause you know, I, I, I think I, it, it, you know, you know, you give up a 2024 20, second, um, you know, that might not be great for a team that needs draft picks, but you've got some comp picks coming. I think you have like two or three coming next year. And like, what would I tell you if T Higgins gets traded for, you know, next off season, a la AJ Brown, T Higgins gets traded for the 28th overall pick to the blank. I don't know, to some team, the 28th overall pick bears and the, you know, the, the, a fifth round pick. And uh, now, I mean, now you need to use one of those picks on a receiver, but I don't, if you can end with two first round picks, you get changed. I, I don't know. I'm, I don't hate that idea. I think it's, uh, I think it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't hate it either, but like Mike said, it's not going to happen. And there's, there's really no point. Like you've got Miles Murphy. Like what if he ends up being in the long run? I'm saying, what if he ends up being better than, uh, Chase Young. I mean, that's not a knock on him, but like we don't know what's going to happen with the guys coming off a nasty injury. He may or may not get paid. I don't know, but man, Jimmy, you you are just on here stirring up trouble, just, my friend. Just I love it little, though. Trying to throw a little spice in there, and on the Miles Murphy point, why not both? I love it though. No, I I love. I just love when there's trouble stirring, man. That's that's why we're you know me and you we're troublemakers, man. That's why we enjoy these kinds of podcasts. Um, but just to kind of wrap up, sort of the observations of just kind of defenses uh, in the AFC North. I know we talk a lot about the pass rush. I mean, there's been a lot of movement in the secondary for most teams in the AFC North. The Bengals get Nick Scott. They lose their two starting safeties. They draft Jordan Battle. The Ravens trade Chuck Clark. The Browns bring in Juan Thornhill after they release John Johnson. 
So, you know, and then the Steelers obviously still have Minka Fitzpatrick, and he's still one of the best at his position. I mean, you look at just the overall secondaries in the AFC North, Jimmy, what strikes you about the best moves that were made uh, in the defensive backfield? And, you know, how does that kind of shape up next season? I think pedigree-wise, I would pick the Browns. Denzel Ward's two-time Pro Bowler. Greg Newsom's a first-round guy. Uh, Grant's helped second-round guy who was thought very highly of before his Achilles injury. Even Martin Emerson was pretty good last year as a third-round rookie. Juan Thornhill's had some moments with the Chiefs. And I would even, like, toss in, like, an Anthony Walker, who's a great coverage guy as a linebacker, when healthy, which is a huge when healthy because he tore his quad last year. He'll be 28 by the time the season kicks off. Um, the Steelers are depending a lot on a rookie and an oldie. Joey Porter Jr. is a guy I liked coming out of the draft. You never know what to expect right out of the gates. Patrick Peterson had his best season in some time last year with the Vikings. He's also on the backside of his career. Um, the Ravens, I love their safeties. Marlon Humphrey, I like. Beyond that, we'll see. They lost Marcus Peters last year. And the Bengals, it kind of depends on the young guys, right? Like, I like Chidobia Wouzier. Uh, I love Mike Hilton as a nickel. I like... Nick Scott as a rotation guy, potentially a starter if Dax Hill, Dax Hill isn't quite ready, although you'd like a first-rounder in his second year to be ready, but it depends on that. It depends on year two, Cam Taylor-Britt, my guy who I covered in college. Love Cam Taylor-Britt. Um, and it depends on the new guys. It depends on DJ Turner, who ran a great 40. That really helped his draft stock. And Jordan Battle, who at Alabama was not the traitiest guy, but you could kind of count on him to be where he needs to be. So... That's how I see it shaking out. I would pick the Browns, though, just because of the proven pedigree they have. Yeah, I think that's all a uh, good observation. I know, um, not to put Mike on the spot here, but I know, obviously, you, you wanted the Bengals to re-sign Von Bell. I think you mentioned that on the podcast, but based on what Jimmy said, like, how do you feel like the Bengals secondary shapes out to the other teams we mentioned? Well, it's going to take a hit. I mean, I think they've got a really shaky... Um, back end with two new guys in there and one who hasn't really played any snaps. Uh, we rely on a second year player at corner and, you know, most of the backups are going to be, uh, inexperienced. So I think they're sort of remaking this secondary because of the fact that, you know, they're coming up with, um, cap issues that, you know, they have to sort of avoid. So they got to get cheaper and younger. And that means sort of inexperienced. And, uh, I think that that puts them behind the pack a little bit. Um, if Chidobia Wouzier comes back healthy week one, I think that helps. Um, but we'll kind of see. I, I do think teams are going to test them early. Uh, and if they show weakness, I mean, they're going to have to figure things out in a hurry to try to uh, prevent, you know, teams from, from taking advantage of a, a secondary with some, like I said, moving, you know, parts that are, are, are very new. Um, and so we'll see kind of how that develops. Yeah, definitely. I guess uh, just to really wrap up this by the way, guys, amazing conversation. Like, this is exactly what an AFC North Roundtable sounds like. But there's no better way to top it off than by asking to, uh, two parts to this question, I guess. It's a two-part question. Who wins the AFC North? And is there another team from the division or maybe multiple teams that gets into the playoffs next season? This is interesting. Uh, I, I think I'm going to take the Ravens to win the North because, I, again, I think we're going to see – uh, the best passing season of Lamar Jackson's career. It's the year his incredible athleticism becomes a luxury and the Ravens can lean more on uh, an explosive offense than they ever have in their existence. From there, 
very interesting because we've had, I think there are potentially four playoff caliber teams in this division. Since we went to 17 games in the, in the league though, which was two years ago, um, we have had two teams get three division, three teams into the playoffs, but they've all been in the NFC, which I think we can all agree, uh, is the weaker conference right now. It's so hard to do that in a conference that is just so deep in quarterbacks and got deeper in quarterbacks this year with Aaron Rodgers coming over and Watson, you know, presumably being Watson again. And you play in the, the such a d- difficult division. Uh, I think that particularly the Bengals have a really difficult schedule this year. They play six teams, I think, that won double-digit games last year and are predicted to do so again. So that's really tough. I'm going to go – I would. I will take – Burrow and the Bengals, just because of the they've, they've proven it to to get in there. And if I had to take another, I'd take the Browns. Okay, interesting, interesting. How interesting is that to you guys? Yeah, I, I mean, to me, the the AFC North is going to be a two horse race this year. Um, you know, I think you kind of need Deshaun to be, you know, an, a superior talent if if you want the Browns to kind of be in that conversation. I just think. Um, you know, the Bengals are, are in a different class and I think the, the Ravens are too. Um, you know, I mentioned this, at, you know, on one of the pods we did, you know, if you, if you kind of look back at the last few years of, of the Ravens, um, you know, they were kind of right there and, and, you know, in 2021, they were eight and three. And I mentioned they lost those two games on, um, you know, on two point conversions when, when, you know, very, they very easily could have won those games. And not only that, I mean, the rest of their season kind of got just derailed by injuries. I mean, I, I mentioned this the other day. I, I think Josh Johnson was the quarterback for that game in 2021 in, in Cincinnati where like Joe Burrow threw for like 5,000 yards. Like th- that, I mean, the, the Ravens were really, really injured that year. And, you know, in 2021 and 2022, I mean, they were seven and three. You lose uh, on a two-point conversion to Jacksonville. You get up to nine and four, and then you finish one and three when you know Lamar gets hurt. I just think the Ravens, if you're a betting man, which I'm not saying I am, but if you're a betting man, the Ravens are probably the best value of the division. Um, you know, I, I like them to do that, but I mean, whoever doesn't win this division is going to be in a dogfight because let's just say the you know. I think let, let's just say the division winners, Chiefs, Jaguars, Bills, Bengals. I mean, maybe you want to sub the Dolphins in there for the Bills or the Jets in there for the Bills. But let's just say those are the four division winners. The Jets, Ravens, Dolphins, Browns, Chargers. Uh, I'm trying to think if I'm forgetting anybody. Like those teams are going to be fighting for three spots. Like there's a possibility that like the Browns and the Jets miss the playoffs or the Dolphins and the Ravens miss the playoffs. And like that doesn't even include the Steelers who – Mike Tomlin leads to a nine and eight record by, you know, waking up in the morning. Like there, there's just, there's a lot of competition in the AFC. Um, I don't hate the Ravens pick. I think both of these teams are going to make the playoffs, the Ravens and the Bengals that is. But um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, if you look at some of the divisional odds, I think the, uh, I think the Ravens are kind of being undervalued for sure. I think the Bengals win the division, and they're the only team to make the playoffs. Hmm. I think the Bengals wow. win. The, well, go ahead. So, say again, Jimmy. I just said, "Wow, that's bold." <laughs> I don't think it's that bold. I mean, I'm with Mike. I think the Bengals win the division. Um, and I know you guys said that 
they'll probably get in. I know, Jimmy, you had them getting that's in. That's not the bullpark. That's the bullpark yeah, is that's no not, one else yeah. gets in. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, and the fact that there's – well, here's the thing. Okay, I that is bold, too, that there's not going to be anyone else that gets in. I, I don't know. That could happen. Not because the AFC North is not good. I just think, like, the Chargers have a good chance of getting in. Who knows what the Jets and Aaron Rodgers can do if, you know, the Bills still went out the, the AFC East. Maybe, maybe, hard maybe. The Patriots or Dolphins are in the mix, too. Don't forget about the Dolphins. I mean, they really tooled up this offseason with uh, Jalen Ramsey and getting Vic Fangio. So I don't know. There's there's some pretty good teams in that. Yeah, mix. but let's, let's not put the Dolphins and the Patriots in the same in the well, same class. Not the Patriots. I shouldn't have said that because I think they're done at this point with their dynasty. But no, the Dolphins, okay. the Jets. Let's, I don't let's... know. Maybe the Jets are legit. We don't know what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. I don't know. To your guys' point, to Mike and Muhammad's point, the AFC now has – the league's last three MVPs, Mahomes twice, Rodgers twice, Lamar Jackson. They have five of last year's top 10 uh, EPA per drop pack, drop back guys, which is Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, Tua Tagovailoa, and Justin Herbert. That's eight quarterbacks in a quarterback sport. And one of those quarterbacks is going to miss the playoffs this year. And that doesn't include Deshaun Watson, who isn't on that list, obviously. And Kenny Pickett, who isn't on that list, obviously. So there's a case to be made that the division could just eat itself and whoever, you know, ends up winning the division gets in all the way. But I was going to take this a different way to end the pod. Gillis, you said the Bengals are in a, what'd you say? They're in a different level, a different galaxy than the Browns roster wise. Cause I just don't agree I, with that at I all. Think, I think they're a step up. Yeah. I think, um, you know, we've seen the quarterback be, be better. Uh, you know, I just, for me, when you, when you kind of look at this, you know, you, you kind of have to go on, on some priors. Uh, it can't just all be projection and like, like, do I think Deshaun's going to be a lot better? Yes. But we also watched him play six games and, you know, play pretty, pretty not great. So I, I just have to take Burrow. Uh, I think the offensive line is better. Um, I think this is the most talented team the Bengals have had, you know, kind of at least certainly the most talented offense the Bengals have had since Joe Burrow has gotten here. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think that they're a step above. I'm not going to say it's like, a step from the Bengals to the Jaguars or anything like that. I think, you know, the Browns are, are a step below. It's it's not a huge gap, but I think that there is a gap there. Browns have the better offensive line, better secondary, better front, better running backs, receivers. I'll but can they put it all together? Can they put it all together, though? For sure. For sure. I That's just think those, those two teams are closer together than we think. That's all I'll say. That's sure. what she said. Yeah, I just sneaked that one in. I'm just being silly. No, but I, you, man, Jimmy, we got to have you on more often, man, because you're you're you know what? You're officially my favorite troublemaker on this podcast. From now on, I'm gonna call you Jimmy Troublemaker Watkins, and I say that as a compliment. Hopefully, you take it as such, and hopefully, the the listeners take it as such too. I'll take it. Well, Jimmy, appreciate you joining us. Uh, stay with us. We're gonna have uh, more talks about. Quarterbacks in the AFC North, well, technically Joe Burrow. Maybe we'll talk about some other quarterbacks outside of the AFC North, though. Uh, so tune in for that later this week. And I might have another special guest to wrap up the week who, like Jimmy, I'm going to keep as a secret surprise for now. But once again, for myself, Andrew Mike, and Jimmy Troublemaker Watkins, I'm Muhammad Amon. We will 